0: For show notes from this episode, visit SustainableAmbition.com slash podcast. Now, let's learn more to help you craft your career to support your life from decade to decade. On to today's conversation. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we are going to be diving into the job search process with career coach Claudia Miller. Claudia helps career-driven professionals get to the next level in their career. She's helped clients get interest from headhunters at companies like Google, Facebook, Spotify, Peloton, and more, and helps them land significant salary increases as, as well. Her workplace expertise has been featured in Forbes, MSNBC, and Thrive Global. And last year, Business Inside Her put her in their global list of top 23 most innovative career coaches. Claudia, I'm really happy to have you here with me today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Kathy. I'm very excited about all the topics we're gonna talk about today. Yes, yes, me too. And I think it's just so relevant, especially today, given that a lot of people during this time coming out of the pandemic are really reevaluating their current roles. And there are many who are in this process. Of course, you've heard, we've all heard of the great resignation, where many people are likely or maybe in a job search. So the fact that we're going to talk about this topic today, I think, is going to be really, really helpful for many people. Um, but before we dig into that core topic, I would love to just start by hearing more about the work you do and what brought you to becoming a career coach? (laughs) Well, I can definitely say I did not aspire to be a career coach when I was in high
1: school or in college. And to be honest, I didn't even know career coaches existed. I didn't even know it was a thing, but you know, my background really is in finance education and healthcare. So, you know, I help a lot of my clients transition industries and I can, I can totally relate to them and where they're coming from because I did that myself as well. But I've been able to transition from, you know, private to public sectors and every single time gain at least thirty thousand dollars in salary increases. So that's where my background is. And, you know, one of the things that I love about career coaching is really working with clients that you know are ambitious. I consider myself very ambitious and they just don't know the strategy. And that's really what it is. I show you the strategy, the step by step process on how to do something you know, at, at the, at the end of the day, I am not going to say I'm going to create wishes. It's, that's not what I do, but I provide tangible, easy to digest steps that will get you results. And, you know, some of the work that I've, some of the clients that I've worked with, I, you know, I like to say that I, I helped change their livelihoods where, you know, I've had clients that are single moms just, you know, left a relationship. They were very dependent on their income, on their husbands and felt like, You know, they had to start from scratch and they had to make ends meet. And after working with me, you know, one client, I remember her vividly. And she's one of my best clients out there where, you know, she's like, I know I can do better. She's the prominent of, you know, what ambition looks like. She's like, I know I can do better. I just know I don't have the skill sets to sell myself. And that's why, you know, she's like, it's it's a big investment for me, but I'm willing to make it because I know I'm going to get the results. And her faith in me really meant a lot. And immediately she started using the resume that I worked, I wrote for her, and she was making I think fifty thousand and had I think five children. She landed a job with like a ninety five thousand dollars sal, that was her night salary ninety five thousand dollars, and then she was promoted to manager role with like a twenty k sign on bonus and some stock options and amazing benefits, and. She was just telling me how much this changed her life and the livelihood of her family and her kids and what she can do to provide. And now she's going to go after and get her master's degree. It's like those stories like that, that are true, that I can see it in real time and it's people's lives. That's what I really enjoy doing. And my mission overall is to helping women earn more because at the end of the day, I feel that by empowering women, we empower households and create safe homes for them as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so powerful. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and that's a great example of being able to demonstrate how you've worked with somebody, given them some tools and tips, which we'll get into more. And then like what the results really are in terms of it. And it's not just in that job that they're getting or that in salary increase. It really is, you're saying reshaping people's lives and what they even see as potentially possible for themselves, which is really wonderful. So before we dig into kind of like the job search process, I was curious if you had have some perspective on just what's happening in the current environment right now as you know both from a employee who might be looking for things out in the marketplace but also from an employer perspective like What's your perspective on what's happening in the marketplace right now? I mean, again, we hear all this stuff about the great resignation. I'm curious, again, what are you hearing from your clients around what's driving their behavior or search for new things right now? And maybe what are you hearing from them in terms of what they might be hearing from employers as well?
1: So, I mean, a lot of the clients that I've worked with, I definitely agree there's a great resignation. And what I believe what really prompted this resignation is various, there's a lot of variables, one is, you know, some of them have felt that, you know, because of everything happening, they realized like, I can't work from home before it was like, oh, I work from home. You know, some people would say, well, you're so lucky you get to work from home. And it wasn't very common. Now it's the norm. And, you know, some companies are trying to bring in people back to the workplace. And honestly, I can't understand why for, for some companies that are able to do a lot of that work remote that, you know employees have options and they they realize that they don't want to spend that much time in like commuting and being there. And it's expensive, especially, you know, maybe now they can move to a place that it's a little bit more affordable. And there's just so many variables out there. So now that they have choices, they can say, well, okay, I understand you want me to go into the office. That means I'm just going to start my job search. And the other thing happening too is they started realizing how the companies reacted during COVID. I've had clients where they tell me, You know, even though they said you're not supposed to go into the office or anything like my employer made me go into the office and have meetings. And I was just scared that I was going to get sick and bring that to my family. And I realized that I cannot believe that they would put me in that situation, do that to me overall. And then now there's opportunities. Like I rather just go elsewhere just because of the way I saw them treat me during this time and my coworkers that to me, I just can't be there anymore. Um, third too, is I feel like a lot of people just feel like they, they started realizing, you know, there's a shift, people working from home. Maybe they have time, started seeing conversations They're starting to see more job postings. All of a sudden they're realizing almost coming out of their, um, cave almost to say like, you know what, why am I doing this job? I didn't graduate with my major in college in this. I, I started here as an intern. Now it's been 10, 15 years and I hate it. Don't really even like the industry. Don't even like what I'm doing. So let's explore what I can do. And, you know, and I'm willing sometimes to even take a pay cut. I obviously have I've helped clients get jobs in different industries without having to make pay cut, but they're in that position that they're even willing to take a pay cut just to do something that they enjoy. Thankfully, they don't have to do that. But I mean, there's just various variables happening. And, you know, I actually... A lot of tech companies hire me as a workplace expert to help. um, I work with their leadership and talent development team. So I can see from the other side on the company side where they are struggling to keep top talent. And they're wondering, you know, how, why are my, why do we have a high, you know, return up? high churn rate within our employees. Why are they leaving? Like what's happening? And, you know, I work alongside with them to create these strategies, but honestly, it's, you know, there's no upward mobility. You are not promoting, you're not providing those resources people need to get to the next step in their career. Most people don't want to stay in the same role for 10, 15 years doing the same thing over and over again. So why don't we create those opportunities for them, give them the tools and resources to be able to do it, and then let's move them up. So when they hire me it's for me to work with their employees and you know sometimes they're coming from like the tech department or tech which they tend to be more on the introvert side and they don't necessarily know how to sell themselves or highlight their soft skills and achievements. They just get to be very technical and very analytical. So I come in and work with them either one-on-one or on a group setting and help them really sharpen and master their interviewing skills. So that way they can really be able to sell themselves so they can get promoted internally. So there's definitely a lot of things happening. Do I think it's gonna be like this forever? No, but I do think that Um, people should take advantage of it, especially if you're like wondering, you know, um, you know, if, what would it look like if you transition to a different industry or type of role? And if you're an individual contributor and you've been in your job for more than three years, definitely start looking because that's when you start getting stagnant and you want to make sure you stay competitive in the workplace.
0: Mm. Yeah, so interesting. And a lot of what I'm hearing and what you're sharing too is this, especially on the employee side is like they're emboldened, right? They're, They're kind of feeling like there's an opening here on a number of different factors, as you mentioned, that's kind of prompting them to kind of move. And then I'm also hearing you say on the employer side, Both, actually, you you, just that last point that you made that like, hey, if you've been in the same role, you really do need to be proactive about making sure you're moving up. But it's encouraging also to hear that you're saying that there are some employers out there that are actually investing in giving their workers, their employees, the skill sets to help themselves like navigate that internal kind of moving around and, and being able to move into a new role or move up within an organization. So that's encouraging to hear as well. Um, you've talked about that that you have this strategy and these easy steps for kind of the process of going through the job search. And I'm curious, if someone is starting the job search process, what would you want them to know kicking it off and getting started so that they also have the right mindset around it, right? So that they have good expectations and are really like prepared for the process ahead because job searching, I don't know if you would agree with this, but job searching can be a marathon, Or you just can need to have a little bit of resilience around it. I know you said that you can sometimes you work with clients to to land someplace like within three months. But, you know, what what do people kind of need to set their expectations appropriately at the start of this process?
1: The one thing I start with is mindset. So mindset is really going to dictate how your um, job search is going to go. So, you know, one of the things that people and what I mean, my mindset is, you know, I, you know, I should just be grateful if I get a job offer because of the market. That's a mindset where we need to reframe that. There's always opportunities. I don't care if there's a Great Depression. I don't care if the stock market crashed. There were still jobs out there. There were still people making money. There were still people getting jobs. So let's make sure that we step away from that and then let's start focusing on what you and I can do. So for example, if a potential person comes to me and they'll say, well, Claudia, you know, the reason I haven't gotten a job or promoter is because uh, my boss hates me and the economy and whoever is in the presidency right now. And that's why I don't get promoted and I'm not making enough money. Well, I can't help that person because I can't control those factors. But if they come to me saying, you know what, the I, I don't know what to do or how to start my job search. And I just, I know that I don't know how to sell myself. I can help that person. So really understanding what kind of mindset are you in? Are you in the, I just need the right resources and guidance to get the next job or next position, or are you in the mindset of, well, everyone around me, they're the problem and I'm not. So understanding that. So if you're in the mindset of, I just need the right strategies. Then the next thing is uncover anything else that may come across. And the quick assignment is either a notepad or just open up Word doc, whatever, whatever you feel most comfortable with and start trying to be self-aware of what's coming across. For example, oh, I can't apply to that job yet. I need to pay my dues or I need, I should probably need a master's degree or I am just not qualified enough yet. I just don't know these two, three things to do yet. I probably need to gain more experience. That's mindset because job postings, you should not fit 100% of that job posting. And if you do, you're overqualified and you should be looking to the next role. So there should always be areas you don't know because that's what you want to learn. You want to make sure that you continue to grow and sharpen that skill set. So start making a list of that mindset and then start, you know, with the end in mind. Sometimes I have clients where they'll tell me, you know, Claudia, I want to be a director, senior director in the next, you know, five to 10 years. Well, if that's the case, then we need to understand what does that look like? And is that timeline attainable? And if so, how long do you need to be in this upcoming role then to move to the next role? So starting with the end in mind so that way you can be strategic. One thing I've seen my clients do by the time they get to me is tell me, I don't even know how I got here. It's almost like my job just drifted me. I got job offers and it just took me places that I never even planned to, and they were never strategic. So if if you are strategic with where you want to be in the next five to 10 years, one, it could really accelerate or two, you can understand saying, I actually don't want to be that role In my next one, that sounds horrible to me. And it's not worth it for me to even get to that senior director role. So therefore, maybe we need to change the career trajectory. The last thing you want to do is like go into a job, spend, you know, years and experience and all this time going into that role to then figure out, oh, I don't, oh, I need to acquire these skill sets to move to the next role, or at least have an understanding of that. And then having to spend the next year or two trying to get those skills. Instead, say, okay, if I for example, I'm a marketing coordinator. And I know I want to be a director of marketing in the next 10 years. But what roles do you need to go there? Oh, I need to understand campaign or maybe the omni-channel marketing. So if that's the case, maybe I should even if I, that's not part of my workload, maybe I can work with that person or shadow or offer my services um, to help when I'm not working. So that way I can learn what omni-channel is. So when I do need to get promoted for that marketing manager role, I now have at least some experience. I don't need to be an expert, but I can at least understand the foundations of it. So that's really where I would help or I would recommend for people to start, start with your mindset, start with the end in mind and start preparing for the expected and the unexpected, you know, you're going to interview. So start planning out what you're going to say during the, tell me about yourself. What is your greatest weakness? What is your greatest strength? Don't try to wing it. You don't try to like tell yourself like, well, I'll know what to say once I'm in the interview, you're not, most people don't. So just prepare for that. And along with everything that comes with um, job searching, applying to jobs and interviewing and negotiating your salary and all these other things that you already know what to expect, start preparing for it before you need to.
0: Yeah, a lot of what I hear you saying in this is that there's a lot of preparation that I think people don't always recognize. And that's one of the things that I often find is that people are ready to like just jump right into the search process and start looking on LinkedIn or on the other platforms where you look at jobs, but they haven't kind of paused and set their expectations appropriately or kind of some of these ground, the kind of foundational elements that you're talking about here. So I think starting with mindset is fabulous as well. And, you know, then being really clear on like, what are you even shooting for, mm-hmm. right? And I also appreciate that um, you're talking about the idea of, it, it seems, tell me if I have, if I got this right, Claudia, but it's almost like, if you know where you want to be headed and you know some of the sets you need to acquire, don't wait to get into that role or don't wait mm-hmm. to kind of, have it officially if you will as part of your job responsibility like take responsibility for starting to learn some of those skill sets on your own um, and I often think that sometimes we miss that as um, as we're managing our careers that we kind of just expect that we're going to learn what we need to kind of magically or that our companies are going to make sure that we're learning that but I'm hearing you say take some degree of responsibility for that and start to acquire some of those skill sets um, along the way and also get creative in ways that you can actually acquire that, um, you know, in like shadowing or volunteering or things like that as you were noting.
1: Exactly. And sometimes it could be already in your current role where you might just create reach out to that person. So like, for example, the only time I really recommend to make a lateral move is, let's just say eventually you wanna become senior director of global operations or global marketing and right now you only have domestic experience here within the US. Well, then you can reach out to maybe that person or that global team that focuses more on international marketing. And say, hey, is there any way that we can collaborate or there's some opportunities or is there anything I can do to help? I can give you some insights from the American market. And then at least you can say during the interview process or in your resume, collaborate and partner with our global international team to create a marketing strategy to launch this new go-to-market product or service. But at least you can speak to it. You at least know like sometimes you get exposed to so much just by having conversations or asking them, like, how do you know what are some of the behaviors within in in, in comparison from Ecuador to China? Like, where do you even look this information? And you start realizing a lot of that just even by collaborating or partnering with them or being an asset to them, because they might, you might know something that they don't know. And all of a sudden, it creates that partnership that you now have a story to tell during the interview process, even though that maybe you didn't work for that team specifically or whatever, you can at least speak to it and say, I know one of the biggest struggles for the international team is how to embed the American made products in sell it to international markets. And here's how I would do it because this is how I've been doing it or this is how mo- what most people do. Here's how I would do things differently. Mm. But again, it really, it, it comes with preparation. And I like to think of it of that kind of like, um, what do they call analogies? Say spend 80, 90% sharpening the X Yes, my clients do spend time preparing, but by preparing, I'm talking about anywhere between three to six weeks where I've had clients come to me saying, I've been applying and looking for a job for over a year and I've applied to 300 jobs and maybe had five interviews. My clients will spend three to six weeks preparing for it That by the time they start applying for every 10 jobs they apply, they get anywhere between three to four interviews and they're getting multiple job offers and it all happens in less than 90 days. Mm -hmm. So would you rather spend three to six weeks and have a 90 day job search or would you rather just, you know, do what most people do, revamp their resume, hope that it works and apply. And if you don't get any hits, then you apply to more jobs and it could be a one or two year process.
0: Can you say more about what is happening during that three to six weeks of prep? What are you doing with your clients that is really getting them focused and leading them to those results? So like I said,
1: um, having them understand the end in mind. And I mean, some of my clients don't know what they want to do next. Sometimes it's, I just know I don't want to keep doing what I'm doing. I hate it. And maybe I want to go and jump into a different industry, So it's really understanding, okay, well, what does that look like? And sometimes it's a process of elimination. You hate public speaking. You're an introvert. You hate doing all these other things. Okay, so now we've narrowed down that list. You want to make six figures. You want to have a work-life balance. You don't want to travel. Okay, well, clearly it's not going to be consultant, and it's not going to be all these types of fields. So we kind of have an idea of what you do want and don't want and what is negotiable and non-negotiable. And then starting doing research, reaching out to people that – You want to, let's just say you want to move into health and wellness and you love a company like Peloton. All right, well, let's look at all the employees at Peloton and let's look at their job description, their job postings, or their LinkedIn profile. If we see some of the things that are non-negotiable, then we probably don't want you to go into that role. Or we search their salaries or what the average salary is and it doesn't match what you want to make. We're not looking, paying attention to that role. So we're very being intentional and strategic. Once we know the role, it's identifying the right company. Right now, because of COVID, the two biggest things that I've seen is one, either people go into a a company because they feel like it's going to be the best company. A few months later, they get laid off because the company wasn't um, doing well financially. So how can we avoid those situations and do the right research? Or two, they get a job and then all of a sudden the writing's on the wall. They are set up to fail before they even start their first day of job or their first day of work. So it's how can you get a lot of this company information and research that way you don't put yourself in a position like that. I'd rather my clients go to a company where they're going to be set up for success. There's going to be a lot of transparency and acceleration, and they're going to be given the resources in order to succeed. And probably some of you may be asking, well, how do you even know that? Honestly, it's talking to people. Talk to people in the company itself. Oh, I've narrowed it down to the top 10, 15 companies I want to go after. I wanna work in health and wellness. So I wanna work at maybe Peloton or Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, I mean, I'm just making these, Tono, Mirror, whatever, Lululemon. So I'm making a list of all those things and start reaching out to people within the company or people that used to work in the company and then asking them, you know, what what do you think overall about the company itself? Um, listen to their earnings call, see what they did, how did they do financially? And what are they looking to achieve in the next six to 12 months? So if you're an engineer and this company is focusing on selling their new product or service that they just created, guess what? Engineer is not going to get resources. Sales and marketing is. Or maybe they're looking to launch a new new product and you're a salesperson. Well, they're probably going to be investing their resources in the engineering team or the product development team, not so much sales. So those are things that we can at least take a good pulse of how the company and where the company is going that can help us be a, be a little bit more intentional and strategic and how we're going to leverage and use that information. Mm. So that's just to give you a little bit of insight of what that looks like. And that's probably like the first two to three weeks. You know, so there's a lot of that work and I work with my clients one-on-one to make sure like Okay, how can we make you stand out from the competition? How do we make you the most top sought after candidate from the interview process? You know, what are gonna be some of the objections that may come across? This is your first manager you're applying to, but you have no management experience. Okay, how are we gonna handle those objections? What are the potential questions they are gonna ask? Let's start building chip stories that you have or times that you had to lead a team or manage someone, let's start pulling that up. So that way we have ammo when the time comes. So a lot of that, again, is sharpening that ax and, you know, practicing how to answer these questions, how to negotiate your salary. So that way they don't come across, you know, as surprised. And, you know, overall, like there's like five, six different stories that you can develop that would handle and probably handle any objection out there for like 95% of them out there. So it's just all this preparation goes in that that's why when my clients go and interview other candidates, just can't stand a chance. They probably maybe practice or Uh, prepared a week or so in advance where my clients had at least six weeks at this point. Like no one really can outbeat my clients at just because they've had so much work and preparation to do that. You can clearly see night and day, how big of a difference there that is. And that's why my clients get offered on the higher end of that salary range.
0: Yeah. I mean, did you have more to say on that, Claudia? I don't want to interrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I,
1: What I was going to say is when I tell clients or I tell people, well, my clients get up to $100,000 in salary increases. It's not because they, let's just say they got, they make a hundred K and they get offered a hundred K and they're like, no, I want 200,000 or otherwise I'm not taking this job. That's not how it happens. What really happens is let's just say my client's making 90,000 and we do all this work. And all of a sudden they're the top set after candidate. Like employers are drooling and fighting. Like I've had sometimes like interviews where my clients are interviewing it where they'll say, we have one more interview, but I know you're interviewing somewhere else. So we know we want you. So we're just going to extend you the job offer. Especially if you sign within 24 hours, we'll give you this bonus. um, As long as you stop interviewing everywhere else. That's kind of the situations that my clients are in. And because they've done so much research, they'll say, well, for this job, we pay anywhere between um 150 to 190 well because we they hit every single lover and they are the perfect candidate they'll say well we're going to offer you 180 and then you just negotiate an extra 10k and you get to the 190. and they don't know that you just were making ninety thousand dollars previously they just know that they want you and they know that they got to pay a competitive rate for those skills and that expertise so that's how my clients make 100k salary increases because of all the work that's done of. On- Front, then towards the job offer, that's when you just negotiate that extra 5 dollars fifteen dollars dollars or $25,000 salary increase.
0: So I'm hearing that, like, certainly a lot of preparation and certainly doing research on like, well, what's the going market, like rate, and what does this company uh, actually pay for this type of a role? You're bringing up story a lot, too, and you said that people can craft like about five stories that will address certain objections. But I'm curious, like, I'm not going to ask you necessarily go through all five of those, but are there certain ways that you approach the storytelling or that you find is kind of the way that you approach it is a little bit breakthrough for your clients and is helping them to show up in such a powerful way that's leading to these results? Yeah. So one of like, I'll now share with you
1: one of the stories because again, it could, I mean, we can have a whole other episode on just all the other stories to include, but one story I always have all my clients um, develop is um, about a time they had to learn something new or they had no experience in. So there's always going to be something at your next job. You're not going to know, even if it's internally, you're going to another department or you're going to another role. Oh, you've been doing marketing this whole time, but you never actually managed a budget or a PL or a team member. So there's always going to be new things that you've never done or experienced. And again, it should be the case because you want to grow and continue sharpening that skill set. So let's build and let's buy, pull from your experience a time where you had to do something new that you had no experience in um, or, or ever done before. So when the time comes and they'll say, well, you know what, Kathy? And, Here's another interview question I tell all my clients to ask. You want to ask at the end of the interview. Say, you know, Kathy, I, you know, we talked a lot about um, the responsibilities. I'm very excited, and along with my background expertise, I know I'll be an asset to the team and the department. And I know I'll be able to bring a lot of value to the department itself. You know, uh, from everything you've heard today, do I have your support in moving forward to next steps? Just stay quiet. So if they say, you know what? I think you're great. Uh, you'll be hearing from us where you're going to be interviewing with you know, my boss next and it'll probably be in the next week or two because he or she's going on vacation. Great. You can leave that interview with confidence and peace and know that you're moving to next steps. Not, oh my God, I should have said this or, oh my God, why did I say this? Or oh, I don't know how well I did. I, I hope I hear from them. It avoids that situation. But if they say, Well, you know what, Claudia, I think you're great, but you don't have experience in managing a team. And we're really looking for someone that has management experience. That's when you bring your story about either leadership, and that's another story I have clients pull up, have a story of when you had, when you showcase leadership, or you can bring a time like, no, I totally understand that. And um, as far as for marketing or management experience, what specifically are you looking for? Because... Um, you know, as far as managing a team or showcasing leadership skills, I've been able to do A, B, and C. And it reminds me of a time where this happened and this was the success or results that happened from it. And if it's managing a budget, I haven't managed a personnel or operating budget, but I have managed marketing budgets and I've always been able to do X, Y, and Z. And here's what I would do in order to really get up to speed in the first 30, 60 to 90 days to ensure I'm successful in this role. So it's, and then asking them again, you know, in a different way. So based off of that, uh, you know, do you have any hesitations in me fulfilling this job successfully and just waiting again? Maybe they'll say, okay, well, we're also looking for someone, but then you have these stories to back it up. Like you're not coming up with them on the spot. We don't want that. We want you to feel confident, be confident and prepared and be able to almost, um, what is it? Like, uh, I don't know, handle all these objections in in the right way. And not only that, you're also showcasing your achievements and accolades. So now it's bringing you to a better light. Um, So that's a really good way to handle those situations
0: and how to prepare in advance and like how to leverage those stories. Mm, I love those examples, super helpful. And I think really wise to, I mean, the preparation of course is huge, but I think what I'm hearing you say is really crafting powerful stories. You're prepared with them and, answering, like you said, any of these objections that might come up. And I really appreciate this closing where it's kind of like, hey, I'm either going to walk out with this positive notion um, that, okay, I'm moving forward. I don't need to fret about anything, or I'm it's giving me this opportunity to address any concerns that they might have um, and mm-hmm. still walk out feeling good, right? Because I've I've taken the opportunity to address it in the moment. Um, So I can appreciate how powerful that is in helping people through that stage of the interview process, which can be really grueling. So like to give you, make people feel armed and really powerful in that situation um, sounds really great. Um, I'm curious what else, like what are common challenges that people face as they're going through this process? It's not easy to go through the, over overarching job searching process and the interview process as well. What do you find are the biggest challenges people run into? Uh, Selling themselves, for sure. It's they can't sell themselves in a resume and they
1: can't sell themselves during the interview process. And they think that, you know, oh, I'm not a great, like I'm not an expert or I haven't had achievements and they don't know how to quantify it. I don't care what industry you're in. There's always metrics to measure. So marketing, I mean, it's a it's a really great example because you can say, I had their social media account when I came in. I had three hundred you know followers. After implementing, launching campaigns and strategy, we're now up to three thousand followers in less than you know five weeks. And from those, we've generated over fifty leads. And on average, we close fifty percent. So that's at least you know. in the pipeline because of my, you know, campaigns and strategies like that. That's quantifiable. I've had clients where they'll tell me, well, I only do, I develop apps and I don't necessarily have any metrics. Okay. So, you know, what demographics are you creating this app for? Is it for everybody? Is it male or female? What are the ages? What does the customer segmentation look like? You know, how long did it take you to launch it? Did you, when you created or it went live, did you have any errors? And if so, how long did it take you to solve those errors or issues that were happening? How many people have downloaded this app at this point? So those are metrics you wanna quantify and talk about. So I'll admit it is hard to sell yourself because you have so many blind spots. You don't know what you don't know. And you also don't know how you are in comparison to your other candidates or counterparts or competitors. But, you know, one of the things of working with a professional and I'm just saying, oh, it's only me. I mean, there's other professions, too, out there where I can tell within like anywhere between 30 minutes to an hour what your market differentiator is. OK, Kathy, here's your market differentiator. Here's what's really going to make you stand out from the competition. And here's how we're going to address it. We're going to lead with the resume. We're going to make sure your LinkedIn is branded for these roles or types of skill sets. Also, when they talk about tell me about yourself, we want to make sure we mention this. And here's a story we wanted to go along with that. And, you know, kind of going through that process and embedding. And we want to make sure we highlight different skill sets. And a good way to do that is you can go through the job posting and highlight what you're good at. And it could be I, I'm a visual person. So I would say all the skills that you have experience in or done, highlight that in green. And then some maybe requirements or experiences they're looking for. Where you're like, well, oh, I sort to of touch on that, but I just don't feel as confident, or it was a long time ago. Highlight that in yellow. And the things that you don't have any experience in, highlight that in red. And you want to again want to make sure you have red in this job posting. Otherwise, there's not much growth for you in there. You're going to be bored after a few months. So once you identify the green, start coming up with like what words keep coming over and over again, and you'll start seeing a trend and then start coming up with stories that align with those. So when they ask you your greatest weakness, um your greatest strength, bring one of those skill sets that they kept mentioning over and over again and then tell them a success story or achievement along with that. So that way you're highlighting every different angle of your expertise and all of a sudden like that's how you become top sought after. You're not winging it. Like there's there's no way to do this right on the spot. Like I wouldn't even be able to do this on the spot. I would have at least I've been doing this for long. I will at least need like a few hours or day preparation. I mean, but I've been doing this day in and day out for years now. But that's like a really great way um, to highlight that. And one of the things I don't want your listeners to feel that is when I say it, it takes work, I mean, my clients have full-time jobs, they have families, and they want to have a life. I don't expect them to do this day in and day out. So they invest anywhere between three to five hours a week for four to six weeks that's really, so sometimes they'll do once an um, an hour a day during the weekday, or they'll spend time during the weekends, however they want to do this. But it's something that is, like I said, most people won't do. And that's really what's
0: going to make you stand out. Mm, That's great. I'm curious too, like you're, so you've talked a lot about like kind of the content and the stories. Is there anything like, as many of us have not been going into an office, people have probably had to do many of these interviews online, and that's potentially going to continue. Yeah. Do you have tips for people as they're interviewing? Via the way, way we're having this conversation right now, for people listening can't see us on video. But um, you know, are there things that people should be keeping in mind as they're also doing interviews via video? Because I know I do other consulting work, and I sometimes think like it is hard to build rapport and relationships. You know, when it's just over video, it's possible, but yeah. I mean, it's different than being in a live situation. So how do you how do you counsel folks in in that regard?
1: Well, one of the things that why, and even in person, I mean, not everyone can even build rapport in person, let alone through video, but that's because most people tend to be so nervous and thinking about, okay, what am I going to say next? Oh, I, I got to make sure I got to say that, or I, I need to look up, what did I put in my resume again? They told me to walk them through my resume. What did I add in there again? So there's just, their mind is occupied by all these other things. Again, why preparation is important is because you by the time my clients interview, like they've already recorded themselves, video, audio. They understand their mannerisms. They understand that when they get nervous, they do certain things, so they're more cognizant about it. But also because they have prepared, their mind space is no longer occupied with all these questions. I already know what to say. So instead, because they have that and it, we move, we practice and I show them in ways to like move all these answers really to their subconscious. So it's not like they're actively have to think about it. It's more like, oh, tell me about yourself. Oh, yeah, of course. You know, Kathy, you know, a little bit about me is, and it comes out more conversational. And of course, you want to make sure your answers are close to the truth. So I actually had a client that told me, well, you know, tell me about your weakness. And she's like, well, I know I'm not really supposed to tell them a weakness. I'm supposed to give them something that shows a weakness, but it's not a weakness. And I'm like, no, you're going to tell them a weakness. (laughs) The reason they're asking you is to make sure, are you self-aware? And are you um, willing to be vulnerable and share that? And what do you do about it? That's really what they're asking. They know you're not perfect. So the closer it is to true life, the better you can embed stories. So for example, um, let's just say you're an introvert and they ask you to tell me about your weakness. You know, one of my weaknesses is you know, I am an introvert and not that that's a weakness in itself. It's more of, I tend to be shy when I'm around, you know, big team meetings or big conversations because I wanna make sure that if I voice something it brings value to the group and to the team. Now, um, sometimes I do get overwhelmed by extroverts when they, you know, I'm not going to be the loudest person in the room, but I want to make sure that I will bring value to the group. So one of the things that I'm working with is really making sure that I step out of my comfort zone. So I, you know, pre-COVID, I was attending happy hours. And really the funny thing is, is that my husband's an extrovert. So I really... um, And, you know, trying to do better, even hanging out with more of his friends that are extroverts to help me feel more comfortable and really understand and be able to connect with them in a different way that um, I would connect with other introverts. So again, it's it's preparing, making sure it's, true to life and all of a sudden it's like oh really your husband's an extrovert oh that's interesting because I'm the and that's how like rapport starts building because you are becoming genuine you're showing your authentic self and it's conversational as opposed to very robotics like my my greatest weakness is I'm a perfectionist so or it's hard for me to say no and I tend to be overwhelmed and I just take on a lot of projects okay there's no really story around it and it's not rememberable. But because you, we already intentionally and strategically worked and workshop these answers. Now you can infuse your personality. That's how you build rapport.
0: Mm, I love that. I love that example and that, you know, reminder to really, I like the idea of like building in your personality and finding that and crafting that into your answers. And to be honest, I don't know that I've ever had anybody actually say it quite in that way. Like how do you make some of your responses uniquely you really in in that regard? So I think that's really powerful. Um, As we wrap up, there are a couple of things I just wanted to try to get in really quickly. One is just to kind of, you're talking about all these great things that you do with your clients, I'm curious if there are any things where you're like, please don't listen to this advice around job searching or interviewing. (laughs) Like, is there a pet peeve or a piece of advice that you'd be like, I I, I suggest you move away from this. It might be something, you know, because there are pieces of advice around this, the like career and what have you, where some of us might be like, oh, I don't know if that's the best advice. So do you have any thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I mean I hear a lot from other like industry or articles like find your passion. I honestly don't even know what that means. I know that the more I explore and do things, the more I realize what I don't what I like and don't like. Oh, I try this, absolutely hate it. Me as a coder, probably not. I don't, I don't like it. I don't enjoy it, but I really like the sales and marketing aspect. So stop trying to figure out, you know, what is your passion? Because sometimes you just haven't done enough to really understand what your passion is. So if you haven't identified the role or industry that you want to work in, where you know or feel will thrive in, start connecting with people in those industries and start getting a notion. Oh, this person or this industry, you know, this role, you tend to talk to a lot of people, public speaking, ugh, hate it, don't want to do that. Well, now you know you probably don't want to do that type of role. So stop feeling guilty or Stop feeling like you need to find your passion. I absolutely hate it. Just know what you like and don't like and what you thrive in. And if you don't know, start talking and asking people. Um, So I really hate that advice. I, I don't even know what the hell that means, to be honest. <laughs> and I don't know if I'll ever know what my passion is. It's like I said, I don't know what I don't know. So maybe I, I will love piano playing, but I've never played the piano. So I have no idea. Maybe that's my passion, but So it's really uh, exposing yourself to different industries and people and roles. And the other um, advice I hear is, you know, just be grateful for the job you have and don't try to rock the boat. And sometimes the crazy thing is, a lot of my clients get advice from their neighbors, their family, their siblings, telling them, you know, you don't need to invest in yourself. You don't need to be with a resume writer. Um, And not everyone does need that, but if you've applied to 300 jobs and you've only received three to five interviews, hire somebody, you clearly got to do something different. And I would even caution to not even get to that point, apply to 25, 30 jobs. Did you get results? Yes or no. And if you didn't either research it online or hire someone, but don't spend time applying to 300 jobs with little results and then saying, well, that means I got to apply to more jobs. You know, it must be a crazy market out there. No, it's just your strategy is not working. There's clearly something wrong with your strategy, not your background, not your expertise, not your um, education. It's strategy. And, you know, one of the things is I also hear is, well, maybe you should go back for and get your master's degree. And maybe then you can you know, be able to break into that management role. No, that's not necessary because I've had a lot of clients that have their MBAs from even really good, well universities, and they still struggle to get a manager role. That's not the solution. If get your degree, advanced degree, if it's intentional and needed, for example, if you want to become a doctor, clearly you got to get licensed. And there are some roles where you're like, Hey, at least 80, 90% of the CEOs in these types of industries and roles have this specific advanced degree I, I gotta ask why. Is it because it makes the job easier? Is it a specific skill set? Maybe I can just get the certification. That one or two things that they got from a degree as opposed to investing so much. Because one, it's very expensive financially, but also in time-wise, those are times you can be spending with family or just watching Netflix. I mean, we deserve that work-life balance. So really understand the advice behind the advice. So like I said, don't just assume that you need an advanced degree to move into the next role. Ask why do you need that? And is there a specific skill sets that you'll get in that advanced degree that will get you that job? And is there any way that you can get it without having to spend so much money and time getting like a master's degree? So that would be like probably some of the advice that I cringe to because I've debunked those misconceptions with my clients where some of them do have those conceptions. And when we trial it out in the field, I'm like, we just found out that you, congrats! You don't have to spend, you know, a hundred thousand dollars on a master's degree. You just need to take a free course on Udemy over a weekend, and now
0: you've acquired that skill set. That's the hardest to hire for, right? What I appreciate about that too is it brings us back to mindset a bit is what you're, you know, some of these things that you're addressing. So I appreciate that. Um, Well, this has been such a great conversation, Claudia, and you've shared so many great tips and counsel for my listeners. Just to wrap up, would you have a final piece of advice or a main takeaway that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yeah, so
1: a big model of mine that I use across business, career, life, everything. It's um, do what others won't to achieve what others can't. So how I interpret that in careers is understand what are other people doing. So no matter if it's industry or you know job seeking, maybe you're um, looking to st- switch careers. Um, and if you have other friends that are switching careers, ask them, You know, I'm curious, to know, how do you prepare for an interview? Like, where do you look for jobs? Like, how do you determine this is a good job to apply for? And ask at least three to four people. Usually by three people, you'll start hearing the same thing over and over again. So then you have a landscape to say, okay, here's what most people do. How can I make this better? How can I do like 10, 15% better than what they do? How can I go one or two steps above, you know, where everyone else is not doing? Most people really quickly, if you really need something, listen to companies earning calls. Most people don't, even employees don't even listen to the company's earning calls, but that's a wealth of information in there. So like, just look at over, step aside from whatever process it is, job searching or whatever. And ask two to three people, that's usually a good benchmark to understand what are most people doing? And just ask yourself, how can I, do a little bit better. And if you don't know, listen to podcasts like this one where you can get really great insights and say, oh, I figured it out. I have my one thing. So I'm going to do this and then implement this in my strategy. And it's going to get you really great. You'll be surprised how many great results you'll get out there. And that's how, you know, my clients get um, disproportionate results because they do disproportionate work. And it doesn't have to take, you know, years to get there. It's literally investing
0: three to five hours a week more than everybody else would. That's it. <laughs> I appreciate that. And that just really focuses again on how you're helping people stand out. So that's really, really great. This has been wonderful. Claudia, where can people find you if they want to keep in touch? Uh, my website,
1: claudiatmiller.com. So T as in town, claudiatmiller.com. And you know they can set up a 30-minute free career strategy call with me. Um, To see if, you know, maybe they need quick career advice. If I can help you, you know, you don't need to work with me for weeks. I tell you, I'm very transparent. And if we can work together and if it seems to be a good fit, then we, you know, we can discuss about that more. But I offer a lot of free content on my website and, you know, really helping people achieve easy, digestible, actionable results. You don't need to come from an Ivy League degree. You don't need to come from a wealthy family with connections. I grew up from humble beginnings. I'm the first one in my family to graduate with a college degree. So if I can do it and I can help my clients do even way better results um, than anyone else can achieve that. This is, this is all learned. Every great interviewer out there was taught or was trained. And so can everyone else, um, especially your listeners. You guys are already ahead of the curve of everyone else. You're listening to
0: this podcast in itself. Uh, So great. Thank you so much, Claudia. I'll definitely capture that in the show notes so people can easily find you. And thank you again for coming on today to share all your wisdom with everyone. Um. Uh Listening. Of, of course,
1: Kathy. Well, thanks for having me. And if you know, if you found anything interesting um, about this episode, share it and give a review to Kathy and let us know what you like the most about
0: this episode. Uh, thanks, Claudia. I appreciate that shout-out. Thank you again, everyone, for being here and Claudia for joining me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Sustainable Ambition Podcast. I hope you take away at least one learning or inspiration from today's conversation. Find more inspiring interviews and get show notes for this episode at sustainableambition.com slash podcast. Make sure you don't miss an episode or my insider tips, guides, and tools by signing up for Sustainable Ambition Forum, my twice monthly newsletter. Sign up at sustainableambition.com slash subscribe. And remember, it's not about finding work-life balance. It's about building work-life resilience. Thanks again for joining me. Speak with you next time.